Welcome back, everyone, to the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. You're listening to the host of this wonderful podcast, Miller Thomas, current student at the Walter Cronkite School of Journalism at the Arizona State, at the Arizona State University. And uh, you guys can go check out all my latest work on my website, MillerThomas24.MyPortfolio.com. On there, you can see my work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. Now, as I always love to say, we got a jam-packed show for you guys today. For segment number one, we're going to continue our Spotlight Player Series, and we're going to talk about Yoan Lopez, relief pitcher for the Arizona D-backs. We're going to talk about him in segment number one, break down his 2019 season, and then look ahead to 2020 and see what he can provide for the team, what kind of impact he can have. And then in segment number two today, it's where we at Wednesday. So I'll take a look at how the D-backs are faring uh, through their first week of spring training up until this point. We got some baseball, so we got some actual things to talk about. But first, if your company is interested in reaching men between the ages of 18 and 44, your company should be sponsoring this podcast. Locked on Diamondbacks is listened to by 98% men and 80% between the ages of 18 to 44. So if you want to reach men in that age range, this is your spot. Plus, our rates are the most reasonable around. Email me at LockedOnDiamondbacks to find out more. And that's at gmail.com. Now, let's jump right into segment number one today. We're going to be talking about Yoan Lopez, one of the only true Back end of the bullpen, guys. Now, Yoan Lopez has a, as I always like to say, a interesting story. I I didn't know this about Yoan Lopez. So I started doing my research on him. You know, I have to do research before I do these topics and segments on this podcast. So I don't sound like a bumbling idiot to you guys. I didn't realize Yoan Lopez, at the time he signed his amateur free agent contract, that it was a, a record bonus that he got. $8.26 million from the D-backs. That was before he, even, before he even put on a uniform. They were giving him almost $9 million. That far exceeded their total amount allowed that they were uh, allowed to give out, which is $2.36 million. So they went way above that. If I could do the math, that's about $6 million more than what they were allowed. So they incurred a 100% penalty tax on their overage, and so they were unable to sign any amateur player for the next two seasons that were worth more than $300,000. So they basically thought Yoan Lopez was worth any guy that they saw for the at least the next two years. They outbidded everyone in baseball for his market. I mean, no one was going to give him a contract like that. That's why it's a record contract. It was just pretty insane to see a guy like Yoan Lopez uh, get it because... Uh, you know, he had a lot of hype and stuff coming from Cuba, but once he got in the minor leagues, that hype started to die down a little bit. He had some up and down seasons seasons in the minors. Uh, he left the team a couple times in the minors because he was just de- uh, dealing with some maturity issues, he said. He said just being in that new environment around people he didn't know, just it was different from him uh, for him, you know? 
If you guys ever went away to college, then you guys know what I'm talking about. I'm a Jersey kid. I came out to Arizona State all by myself. Now, luckily, I want to do that, so I wasn't scared or nervous or anything. That's just kind of the person I am. I kind of just want to go after things, travel the world. I'm not afraid to be by myself, but for most people, I know a lot of people that that would scare. And so just being in a new environment, a new place like that, just gave a little trepidation to Yoan Lopez. It uh, made him really struggle in the minors. He wasn't getting his bearings under him. He was struggling as a starter. But then everything started to turn around for Yoan. They moved into the they moved into the bullpen, and that really got him on the fast track to the majors, honestly. Once they moved into the bullpen, they were like, wow, this guy's stuff is way better as a relief pitcher than a starter because he really only had two pitches coming out of Cuba, just a fastball slider, uh, fastball slider kind of guy with the occasional changeup. And his fastball was what really made him special. His fastball was sitting in the mid-90s. It's usually around 96 miles an hour. I think that's where it mostly sat last year. But when he was working out for those teams before he signed his major contract, they said he clocked in at over 100 miles per hour a few times. So that's pretty impressive whenever you have a guy like that who could just go out and dominate the the speedometer, then you're going to you always want to keep a guy like that in your bullpen. But he struggled a lot at the end of last season with the D-backs. Overall in the season, it was pretty solid. He had 60 innings pitch, 3.41 ERA, 42 strikeouts, at 2.5 walks per nine innings. So those numbers on the year when you look at them are pretty solid. You'll take that from your relief pitcher who's only in his sophomore season, now entering his junior season. But when you really dive into those numbers, you can see that there's really a split down the middle between Yoan Lopez, the first half pitcher before the All-Star break, and the second half. If you look at his first half, second half split, he had a 1.59 ERA in the first half, so just utterly dominant. But that ERA went above six in the second half. He had six earned runs total in the first half. And he more than doubled that in the second half, almost tripled that, actually. He had 17 earned runs in that second half, so that's a big jump. And when you look at it by month by month, there's really that July, September, October uh, month by month split where he just was awful. His ERA was above 7.5 in just those three months. And before that, his ERA was dominant. I mean, he had his first month pitching, it was zero. Second month, it was like a 2.3. And the third month, it was like a... Point eight. So this guy was just lighting up the scoreboard, getting guys out left and right. But once that second half come, once that second half came, it wasn't working out for him. And I think it was primarily just because of hitters just started getting used to Yoan Lopez and just tracking his stuff better and just really reading his tendencies and what he likes to do. I said he was a fastball slider guy, but he really relied on that fastball too much. We know he was bringing the heat, hitting those, hitting uh, about 96 miles per hour on average. But when you really look at the numbers, it was his slider that should have been his weapon. It was the, his, it was his slider that was really doing damage. Uh, his slider limited hitters to just a 195 batting average and 341 slugging. But when you contrast that to his fastball, batters batted 267 and slug 533. And had a slew of 
extra base hits against his fastball. So that just goes to tell you the hitters were just catching on more. The more film they saw, the more they watched this guy, the more they got onto his tendencies. And his tendency is to throw that fastball and then come up with that slider to get you out. And that slider was effective. But he just threw his fastball a little bit too much. If he could get the change up working a little bit earlier, maybe when he's ahead in counts, maybe if it's a 1-1 count, throw that change up in there, you know. Whenever you think it's a fastball count, throw that change up in there. Just try to do something different. According to Mike Hazen, they're really trying to work on Yoan Lopez's consistency in the spring because they want him to be that setup man going into 2020. And you never know if Archie Bradley struggles or gets traded at the deadline or some point in the season. Yoan Lopez could be the closer by the end of the uh, by the end of the year for the D-back. So they want to make sure he's right in spring. It's all his mechanics right, and they want to get get him back to where he was the first half of last season because he was utterly dominant those first three months of the major league season now you guys are going to want to stay tuned for segment number two today because we're going to actually talk about what the d-backs have been doing in spring training so you're going to want to stay tuned for where are we at wednesdays after this quick message if you've been a listener of this podcast i'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers working with locked on to reach sports fans. But you may not know that the Locked On Diamondbacks is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Diamondback fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. And not just any podcast listener, a Locked On podcast listener. If your company wants to connect with Diamondback fans and a predominantly male audience, that is well-educated with a disposable income, then let's put your company right here on this Locked On Podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses. Text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising. Let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve Locked On Advertising success once again. Text the word advertising to 33777 or visit lockedonpodcast.com slash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you. Welcome back for segment number two, y'all. It's where we at Wednesdays. Wow, that might have been one of my best ones yet. It's where we at Wednesdays, and we got some real baseball to talk about, y'all. The D-backs are now 2-2 two and two in spring training. We got some baseball to get into. We could break down all their games because that's what I'm going to do. We're going to actually go through all four of their games so far and just talk about some positives, some negatives from each uh, game, just the main takeaways pretty much. We're not going to get into all the minutia. Oh, what did this guy do? What was his batting average? Did he go 0 for 4? No, no, no. We'll just take a look at the overall big picture from every game. So let's start off with the first game that the uh, Arizona D-backs had in spring training. That was against the Oakland A's, and Robbie Ray was the first one up in that game. And it was a Robbie Ray kind of game. He had 36 pitches. 
had 1.2 innings pitch. He had three strikeouts, two walks, and he was solid, you know. He was all right, but for spring training, it wasn't the kind of outing you want. It was more of a, well, let's hope he doesn't do this in the regular season kind of thing. Because Robbie Ray needs to be better than that. Or he might not even have a spot in this rotation for too long. There's a lot of young guns in this rotation. And Robbie Ray struggles throughout the spring training. He could be moved rather quickly. Because this is a win-now league like any baseball, like any sports league. And you just can't go out there and just consistently give your team poor performances. So Robbie Ray, we're going uh, to need to see a little bit more. And then in that game, too, Ketel Marte homered in his first at-bat. He's showing the baseball world that he's back, and he's better than ever. Maybe not, but at least he's back, and he's ready to take the MVP crown to the next level. Take his candidacy to the next level and bring the, the crown home, the MVP crown home, back to the Valley of the Sun. Thank you, Ketel. We love you. Now... I lost my place. Hold on. Okay, the second game. This was an 11-9 loss to the San Francisco Giants. But, but my guy Zach Gallen had a nice start in his first start of spring training. You guys know I hope Zach Gallen has a big breakout season. I'm a big Zach Gallen stan. He pitched a pretty clean two innings Monday at Scottsdale Stadium. And he didn't allow a hit, didn't walk a batter, and he finished with one strikeout. So, you did it, Zach Allen. You did what Robbie Ray couldn't do. You made it through a spring training start. Thank you, Zach Allen. This is why you're my guy, and this is why you're going to be in the starting rotation. You're going to be the Walker Bueller this year, Zach Allen. Just keep your head, uh, head held high, keep that confidence up, and you will be a beast by the end of the year. He just needs to work on closing out at-bats. That's all. That was the only negative I could say about Zach Allen. He had some pretty high pitch counts in that game uh, when he was facing the batters, and that's about it, really. If he could just work on getting guys out quicker so he can be saved for later in the game so his pitches don't get run up and his innings don't get run up, that will probably be my only critique of Zach Gallen. Now, uh, Taylor Widener was also in that game, last year's 12th-rated prospect in the D-backs farm system per MLB Pipeline. Uh, also gave up two earned runs in one inning pitch. He allowed two hits and walk. Uh, he allowed two hits and a walk, but struck out three batters, luckily, so that's pretty good. But uh, you need to do a little bit better than that if you want to make it into the majors as only a 12th-rated prospect. So, Taylor Widener, I'm rooting for you, buddy, but you got to do better than that if you want to make it to the majors. And then Yasmai Tomas played. He's entering his final. I just love saying that name. Hold on. Yasmai Tomas. Yes. He's entering his final year of his six-year, $68.5 million contract. AZ loves handing out uh, these big contracts to Cuban players, I guess, before even seeing them. And it hasn't worked out so far, but hopefully Yoan Lopez does. But, uh, yeah, he pulled Arizona to within 11-6 to six in that game, hit a dinger. So, I'm a Yasmin Tomas stan, actually. So, I really does hope he plays in the majors this season. I think he's a big power bat. So, I hope he f finds his way back into the lineup. Then, in the third game this year, it was against the L.A. rivals, the L.A. Dodgers, in a 7-3 win over the Dodgers. That's right, L.A. 
beat LA. We did it. We beat them. The Dodgers couldn't do it. This is basically a World Series ring. It's the same equivalent. I feel the passion. We need to throw a parade. Uh, if Chase Field doesn't have a parade by the end of the week, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna be rioting here in Phoenix because we need a parade after this win. The only person to give up runs in this game was Matt Grace. He gave up three runs. Ketel Marte and Cole Calhoun beat, uh, both had two RBIs apiece. So just an overall great day beating the Dodgers. We always love to see that. Keep up the good work, D-backs. And then let's come to the last and final game. The game was today. They played the Oakland A's again after beating them 7-3 in the first game. Can you guys guess what they did today? They lost to them 16-3. They got shelled by the Oakland A's. Luke Weaver and Merrill Kelly, mm, mm, mm. this is not your best day. Luke Weaver gave up four earned runs and didn't even last an inning in his debut. And then so uh, Tori Lavella had to pull him after just uh, 0.2 innings of work because he gave up two hits, walked two. I mean, he struck out two. At least that was good. But walking two, giving up two hits and four earned runs. Yikes, Luke Weaver. We're going to need you to step it up. You were acquired in that Goldie trade. So uh, we're going to need you to get on your high horse and start becoming an ace pretty soon. You're still pretty young, though, but you've had some pretty bad seasons with the St. Louis Cardinals, and we don't want that to transfer over with the Arizona Dimebacks. You had a pretty good year last year, so let's keep working on that and keep building on that. And Merrill Kelly didn't fare much better than Luke Weaver now. He gave up two runs. Uh, his he gave up two runs himself and lasted 1.1 innings, so uh, a little bit longer than Luke Weaver. But he allowed three hits and gave up a walk. So the big concern with Merrill Kelly is that forearm. You're hoping it's fully healed. You hope he's not struggling because of that. But honestly, Merrill Kelly, in my belief, he's just an average pitcher. I like him more. I would like to see him more as like a Mike Leak guy, f- uh, fifth starter, or Long relief pitcher, like a utility kind of pitcher off the off the pine. I don't really want to see Merrill Kelly as a starter. I mean, he was like a 30-year-old rookie last year. He's not going to get too much better, so I'd rather see a young guy take his spot in the rotation. Now, that's it for the show today. Thank you for everyone. Thank you to everyone for listening again. Uh, remember, if you've been a listener of this podcast... I'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers working with Locked On, and you could be the next one to be an advertiser with the Locked On podcast. Uh, If you're interested in reaching men between the ages of 18 and 44, you should be sponsoring this podcast. Locked On Diamondbacks is listened to by by 98% men and 80% between the ages, ages of 18 and 44. So if you want to reach men in that demographic, come email me at LockedOnDiamondbacks at gmail.com to find out more. Now you guys are going to want to tune back in tomorrow because we're going to have another packed show for you guys again. And remember, tomorrow is theme Thursday, so tweet me at LockedOnDiamondbacks or email me LockedOnDiamondbacks at Gmail and send me your topics and questions and I'll address them on the podcast tomorrow. Peace, y'all.